busyness, I wrote up the whole of December of what was happening. It was pretty full on. Um, it was busy, it was cluttered, it was ordered chaos. And I had this moment where I got my cloth and I got my scoosh and I cleaned it all off. Oh, joy! A blank whiteboard, a blank page staring back at me with endless possibilities. And what a lovely opportunity we had this morning with communion. We have this fresh start, don't we? We have a fresh start, a fresh hope, a fresh perspective, not just at New Year, thankfully for us, but every day with Jesus, we have that. And I'm preaching today on a classic passage. It's one of my favorites. I got to choose, so I thought, oh, well, I'll just choose one of my favorites. And there's three Ps, because the Ps are the easiest ones to find, and I was writing over the Christmas holidays, so there are definitely three Ps, and you will definitely have heard these three Ps before. And so what I'm going to get you to do is to imagine a fresh, clean page. Imagine you've never heard these Ps before, and that God is going to give you something new and fresh for each of those. As I work through each point, I want you to be asking God for each area in this year what he has for you. On the blank pages, the endless possibilities, what is God wanting you to hear this morning within these points? So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read from Philippians. So I'll pray for us all. Father God in heaven, we pause just now. We fix our eyes on you, our focus on you. We declutter our thoughts and look to only you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you speak to everyone here this morning with something new, with something fresh, or with something that you just want to remind them. Meet us just now as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in Philippians 1, 1 to 11. That lovely prayer at the beginning should come up on the screen. And I've got other passages that I'm going to be flicking through from time to time throughout the talk as well. So. But Philippians 1, 1 to 11. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion into the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. I love that. So I've been reflecting. I don't know who's been reflecting on their last year. Have you had that moment where you've thought back? 
No, shaking yes a little bit. Some of you have been doing that. I've been doing that a wee bit. I've been thinking about the lessons learned. So many lessons. There's so much learning, isn't there? Uh, skills gained. Relationships formed or developed or changed. Seeds sown that I really want to grow. And I want to think about how I can make space for those seeds to grow. How can they fall into good soil? And I did some reflecting on the last year. And also, a bit further than, every, than that, everybody's been doing this decade reflection, haven't they? I had hoped to have a, you know, that lovely photo of me and Ali with no wrinkles and small waistlines to, compared to now, but I couldn't manage it. Never mind, my internet wasn't working well enough. But um, lots of people have been doing that. And when we looked back, we've been having a bit of a nostalgic moment. We were, got our honeymoon album out and all that. It was very sweet. We're not normally like that. And uh, if you look back to the last 10 years, though, what, what stands out for you? <laughs> oh, I know. It's tricky. We were doing it. We're like, gosh, what does stand out? What, what is it that we've done? It becomes a bit of a blur. It all becomes a bit of a blur. What do you come back to on the 1st of January every year and say, this year I'm going to? This year I'm going to whatever, fill the blank. It's quite a big blank page, actually. It feels a bit dreaded, that dreaded question. What are your New Year's resolutions? What are your goals for 2020? Oh, dear. But my biggest reflection is that, as we were saying earlier, God is working all of the time. God is working all of the time, whether we can see it or not. It's his presence and his Holy Spirit that changes lives. As we've seen people coming into church, exploring and finding faith. It's his presence that does the work. We can do some of this stuff. We're doing good stuff in the community and we do good stuff in church and we absolutely have our part to play within that. But pretty much, I feel like we've had very little to do with what's happened in the last year of our church. It's all God. And I saying, phew, hopefully that's a relief to you. It's a relief to me. We can do our best as a church. The path that we're given to journey on, absolutely, we should totally try our best. But ultimately, it's God's power and his presence. That's the things that stood out for me most of all. It's his presence in partnership with us. So my first P is partnering. And there's sort of three partnerings within my partnering. Um, and I'm going to start out in Acts 2, 1 to 4. Seven weeks had gone by since Jesus' death and resurrection, and the day of Pentecost had now arrived. As the believers met together that day, suddenly there was a sound like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them, and it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on their heads, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in languages they didn't know, for the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. On New Year's Day in 1739, that's a, quite a long time ago, the Holy Spirit came on an all-night prayer meeting. It was at a place called Fetter Lane in London at 3 a.m. in the morning, apparently, the record says. And the power of God came mightily upon people in that room. And this was recorded by John Wesley in his journal. And it says, Insomuch many cried out for exceeding joy, many fell to the ground. And John Wesley was propelled out of that prayer room to ride 125,000 miles preaching the gospel. His brother Charles began writing over 6,000 hymns. 
And they had a friend in the room as well, George Whitfield, who crossed the Atlantic Ocean to stir the fires of America's first great awakening. The world would never be the same again because of what they'd experienced, because of how they were changed by the power of God. The power of God came in the form of the Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, 280 year, years ago in Fettley in London. And I'm desperate for that same power to come and change our world. And it starts with us. So let's partner with the Holy Spirit. Let's open ourselves completely to him. Let's expect the same power in our lives today. The men in that room went away completely changed, unable to ignore the difference that meeting with God had, had done, the impact, the change. It made them to do nothing more than share what they'd experienced and being gifted. Let's allow God to, par to partner with us with his power. He's not going to force his way in. We have to allow him in. We have to partner. And then there's that moment, there's the partnering that we do when we realize it's all God's, where we go, it's all God's world, it's God's ministry, it's God's church, it's God's family that he's given me, it's God's money that he's blessed me with. It is all God's. We need to partner with him in it all. I keep thinking it's, oh, I, I usually go a bit wrong when I forget it's not God's. And I'm like, oh, this is it's my church. No, I don't ever do that, don't worry, but... You do the ministry thing, don't you? And you think, hold on, I'm doing this. This is my ministry. Oh, wait a minute, God, this is your ministry. Or you've got all your money. Oh, I've got to look after my money and I've got to do this with my money. Actually, I forgot. Oh, yeah, again. Oh, yeah, sorry, God. It's yours. You gave it to me. We've got to remember to partner with him in all things. Keep handing it over. And the final kind of partnering is partnering together with each other. The passage says, verse 4 to 7, in all my prayers... For all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And then later it says, all of you share in God's grace with me. We have a partnership in the gospel. We're connected because of the good news of Jesus, it says. And Paul was partnering with this church um, and you can tell from his words that he really feels it, doesn't he? He's really loving these people. He's so grateful for them. And he knows that their connection is because of Jesus. And the translation of this partnership would have actually had a business edge, like a business term, a business partnership. And in, in terms of this context, again, he was in prison in Ephesus when he was writing it. And you didn't get fed and looked after back then. If you wanted to eat in prison, then you had to pay for it. And these guys had raised money. They'd sent someone on a dangerous journey to take it to him. They were really partnering with him. It was a bit like business. But what business are they in? What business are we in? We are in God's business. And we have to do it together. We're partners. We share the same reward as well, it says. The passage says we share God's grace. And we share the reward, the day of completion when Jesus returns or calls us home. So what for you on your blank page of partnering with the Holy Spirit or partnering with his people in 2020? What's that going to look like for you? I'm going to give you a moment. You can close your eyes for a second. Ask God, what's your first next step? What do I need to do, Lord?
Thank you, God. And my next P, there's going to be a groan. It makes me groan. Oh, it's a tough one. Are you ready? Persevering. Oh, no, great. I struggle with this because I am not a complete or finisher. So in our house, we go through a lot of uh, peanut butter and jam. <laughs> I know this is interesting. We love it on crackers, on rice cakes, on toast, on whatever can carry as much peanut butter and jam as you can put on it. That's, that's what we like. And I've got a confession to make. So what happens is lots of it gets eaten and eventually the jar gets, the jam jar gets quite low and what happens is it gets a bit icky. Do you know some people, not looking at anybody, do you know they leave bits of butter and peanut butter in the jar and stuff like that and it's all a bit, oh, you know, yeah, the kids here. <laughs> so at that point in time, I sneak into the cupboard and I get a new jar. Oh, it's all clean and lovely. Isn't that great? Before the old one is finished. I know, it's terrible. We're a good team, though. Ali is a huge completer finisher. He will not do anything without completing and finishing it. I'm the same with a new notebook. Did anyone get a new notebook for Christmas? I love that, even if I've got a five on the go. Oh, it's a new shiny notebook. A new one, fresh and exciting. And New Year's come, and they bring the idea of this fresh, exciting things that are going to come. But let's face it. Most of the years are pretty similar. I find that blur happens again. They merge into one. It's a blend of time that develops, creates a flavor, perhaps, of the years. And the years that have passed since we've been here as a site have been a full-on blend, wouldn't you say, of fun? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> Hard work, brilliant events, difficult conversations, excellent relationships, Awkward relationships, success, failure, learning. It's this huge blend. And although this year is new, we will probably face the same challenges. The same people we find difficult but really need to love. Do you know who they are? The same frustrations that we need to work through and find patience and grace for. The same challenges that we need to grow and learn about and overcome. The way that we do church is really wonderful, but it is costly, it's hard work, we see it. And Ali and I do want to take a moment to say thank you. We're gonna try and look at all of you. You all give so much to this church. We feel it, we see it, we love it. We know it's hard work. We think it's worth it though. We hope you do too. <laughs> so thank you guys. What I want to say is, do you know what? Let's just kick back. We'll just relax. We've created quite a nice church. It's comfy and cozy. Shall we just hang out? Yeah, it's quite nice for us, isn't it? Shall we just stay here? Cozy space. Isn't it good? Oh, if only. Just, just take it easy, guys. I'm so sorry. I want to say that. But I can't. It's not what we're called to. We should be so changed by God's presence that all we want to do is share it with people. And so that's what we have to do. So we have to persevere. We have to say, let's go again. Let's go for another year. And the passage sums it up, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Jesus is definitely a completer finisher. He's finished it for us. But we need to continue this work just now until the day is fully complete, don't we? Uh, William Carey uh, is a British missionary from the 18th century. Who knew? I didn't until recently. Um, and he did loads of great work, including translating the Bible into six languages. 
I'm saying he's a legend. That's pretty epic. And his motto apparently is, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. We do have to persevere. Hebrews 12, 1-2, that classic passage. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that is so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I think the persevering is only made possible through the partnership we were talking about earlier with God, with one another. We have to be a team, otherwise we'll fall away, we'll get exhausted. At home and at church, I do this thing that I inherited from Joe Shelley, who's the administrator for this church. And he says, go team. And someone in the room says, whoop, whoop. And I'm pretty sure you guys all roll your eyes at me when I do that. I'm sorry, I'm not a particularly cheesy person, but at home I do this now as well. So if I say go team, you will hear Sandy, wherever he is, wherever. If he's heard me, you'll hear whoop, whoop. And I know it's cheesy, I know it's ridiculous, I know it's kind of American, but... (laughs) What, sorry? Oh, sorry, any American? No, I I think they're right, it's fine. Um, (laughs) It's quite, it's got an American vibe. And... What that makes me hear when I hear that little whoop whoop is I am doing this with somebody. I'm doing this with a team. I'm partnering with somebody. I am not alone. And I feel happy about that. And so that is a tiny example of one of the reasons why we need to partner with one another. We need to encourage one another and be patient with one another. And we need to press in to our relationships with God more than anything. It said, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the one, ultimately, of course, that will provide us with the energy, the drive, the patience, and the perseverance that we need. We want more. When we first took on this site as um, the pastors, what we said we wanted this to be is a place where people come alive in Jesus. And hopefully it is. Hopefully you are coming alive in Jesus. Are you? <laughs> and, we <laughs> and we want so many more people to do the same. And we're willing to persevere for that cost. That's why it's worth it. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things from God. So we'll take a moment again. On your blank page that is Perseverance for 2020, let's ask God... What is your first next step? What do you want me to do, God? Thank you, God. And hopefully, if we're partnering well, we're persevering with what God's asked us to do, then we'll be going well. But what we might need, I think, is this final P. If you haven't found your resolution for this year yet, it's coming up now. Your resolve is going to be found in praying. 
praying, I read this quote, which I loved, ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. It ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. It's our link. It's our communication system. It's our relationship builder. Imagine we didn't have it. Relationship on mute. And again, William Carey, the same guy, said, Prayer, secret, fervent, believing prayer, lies at the root of all personal godliness. In prayer, we begin to think God's thoughts after him. We begin to desire what he desires, love what he loves, will what he wills. Because we're basically getting to know him better. And he's getting to know us better. We walk in step. So let's resolve to pray more. And this is hard. I have the attention span of a goldfish. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> You're maybe all spiritual giants. You're great. You sit down and you are focused. I find it difficult, if I'm honest, really difficult. I have to figure out what works for me, and so do you. Often, the kinds of prayers I achieve are tickless kinds, or emergency kind, or squeeze it in when I can, or here's the leftovers of my time kind. The kind I'm talking about is relational, trickier word, disciplined. It is disciplined. In the year 2016, I think it was anyway, I've tried to forget about it, I decided to take on the challenge of running a marathon. Sorry for the running analogies, it's what I do, you know, it comes up. And I'd been running for a few years and fancied, you know, that's what you do, you run a wee bit and then you go for the big thing. And I was running about three to six miles, three to four times a week. And so the next week I thought, how hard can it be? I'm just going to go and run a marathon. So I signed up and I turned up at the start line. And off I went, no, I didn't. I didn't do that. Of course I didn't. I trained. I got a program. I would leave the house. And three hours later, I'd return. I knew each step I had to take on that plan. And eventually, I reckoned I'd done enough, probably not enough. And I did my first and last marathon. My point is, if I want to run a marathon, I don't just turn up at the start line. I train. I start small. I find out what the next step is for me. And because of this talk, I know that you're all going to go home and start praying loads tomorrow, and you're just going to nail it. Um, but no, I'm not saying that. What I'm asking you to do is just start your training. Ask God again, what is the first next step? And I, I mean, I could use anything that you become an expert in as an analogy for that, whatever your thing is. I'm not going to, I don't paint tomorrow. I'm not going to go and do a money. I'm not a very good baker. I'm not going to go and bake something super fancy from Bake Off. I'm not an archer. I can't get a bullseye. I would have to train. I'd have to learn. So I'm saying we must pray. But for you, I want you to ask God, what is your first next step in your prayer life? What's your level of training to be? Where should you start? Like the idea of a run, the first step out the door is the hardest part. Once I've done it, I feel amazing. It's a bit the same with prayer. Sometimes it feels like it's going to be difficult. And it can be intense and difficult when we're crying out for the big things. But mostly I feel better for it. Because I'm spending time with my Father in heaven who loves me deeply who wants to know me more, who wants good for me, and what I'm praying for. So on your blank page that is praying in 2020, 
what does God want to write? What's your first next step? It could be anything. It could be I'm going to start a prayer journal. I'm going to download a prayer app. I'm going to meet two friends every week, every fortnight. I'm going to start a prayer connect group. I'm going to pray while I do the dishes. I'm going to go for a walk and pray. I'm going to. The possibilities are endless. The page is blank. It's individual. It's personal. So what is your first next step? I'm going to take a moment just now to pray and let you ask God, what is my first next step? 2020 in my prayer life. Thank you, God. And I encourage you to, if God gave you something there, I'd encourage you to share it with somebody who's going to keep you accountable to that. If he's told you what it is he wants you to do, let somebody else know. See if they can keep you in check. It's really useful to do that. And hopefully God's given you something on your blank pages of partnering. What's that going to look like with the Holy Spirit with each other on persevering? What are you going to keep going with on praying in 2020? And I think one of the first next steps for us could be that we receive prayer. Often on a Sunday, especially, we wait for a reason or for the talk to speak to us, which is totally fine. But how about as your standard, normal thing, you receive prayer because you want to receive God's power, his blessing, his love, get to know him better. I don't know how you feel when somebody goes for prayer. I feel so excited because I don't see oh, that somebody's broken or something's wrong with them. Or What I see is that that is somebody who's desperate to meet with God, to be touched by him, to be known by him, to be healed out by him. And it makes my heart sore. Because I know in that moment that God will meet them and he'll minister to them. So I'm going to pray the end of this passage for us today. And then I'd love for us to do that. I'd love for you to respond how you want to to God, of course. But I'd encourage you, really encourage you to receive prayer today. And I think how we'll do that is the band will come back up and they'll play. And then I'm trying to decide what to do. What should we do, Lord? I think we'll stay put today. So where you are, if you want to gather as twos or threes where you are and pray for one another. Don't worry if this is something that's not for you. You can just say no thank you. Just stay put. Maybe just ask, have a moment with God on your own while that's happening as well. Or sing to the song. So do the band want to come up? And I shall pray the prayer at the end of which I love. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen.